has been good service already. Um, we're not done yet, though. So get ready. I'll let you guys sit for a while. Um, I missed you all last week. Uh, I went a week ago to California <clears throat> to the Southern Baptist Convention, our national convention. Uh, got to see a lot of friends there. Flew up to my mom in Sacramento after that. Um, so that's where I was last Sunday. But uh, I was looking forward to that trip for a long time. Um, let alone just kind of continuing to, to uh, see uh, what our convention is about and what, our, what we continue to do as Southern Baptists, um, which are some phenomenal things. A few other things to work through, but uh, it was a great thing. But then it was in Anaheim. Like, I went to school in Southern California in Riverside. I was looking forward to that trip. I mean, I was ready to go. Have you guys ever been dying to do something so bad like you just can't wait? Or dying to see someone you haven't seen in a long time, right? It is, it's, it's a great thing. You're, you're ready. You're excited to, to go there. Um, I, of course, and you'll have to hear the story later, but within probably an hour of landing and having my rental car, I ended up with Del Taco and In-N-Out in the same night by accident. Um, by the way, the Mexican food's better on the West Coast. Uh, the beach, is, not, never mind. <clears throat> but it was great to be back home. I uh, drove around, uh, got to see the church where Carrie and I got married. Uh, saw some friends at the convention, got to hang out with mom up in, in Sacramento. But um, I mean, I was dying to go I, months ago. I was ready to go. By the way, I almost didn't go. Um, I don't know if you've known this already, but Carrie broke both of her ankles, shattered one, sprained with a, a hairline fracture on the other two weeks before I was supposed to go. I'm like, seriously? You're going to mess up my trip. This trip I've been planning, I mean, some of the weight loss was like my goal trip, like I'm ready to go. But carry over anything. I know that. I love you, baby. Um, but I was dying to go so bad, it, it, I died a little bit. Like, I may not be able to go. I need to take care of Carrie. Yes. Um, way more important, always. Um, and I did need to wait. Obviously, I went. I did need to wait for her to insist for me to go. Um, so it, it worked out. God, God worked out amazing. <laughs> anyway, so it was a good trip. Um, ready to go. Uh, great time and good. Glad to be back, though. I feel like I've been off and on for like a month. So you're stuck with me for a while. <clears throat> but I want us to take a look at this morning. And we just sang about this. We actually sang about it all morning. If, if Jesus is so important in your life, if you love Jesus so much, um, if he is king and lord and ruler and savior and redeemer and all these things to us, are we dying to see him? Um, and not just excited to see him, we're going to look at dying to see him. Um, are we dying to see Jesus? Uh, we find Jesus now in Jerusalem as we're working through the book of John. Um, he's in the last week of his life and his ministry He's just been welcomed in by the crowds, cheering, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, uh, the King of Israel. Thank you, Dave, for the triumphal entry, the setup for all this. And so there should be this, this excitement of who Jesus is, uh, that they are going to see him soon in his glory, not the way they expect, 
um, but they are going to see him glorified. So read with me as we continue through John, John chapter 12, verses 20 to 26. And it's, uh, yeah, verse, start in verse 20. It says, Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. For anyone, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So this is where we are, <clears throat> and we see some Greeks who have also come uh, to, uh, with the Jews along uh, during this celebration. And uh, they come up to Philip and Andrew and are like, hey, you know, we wish to see Jesus. Uh, now, they might have heard some great stories of Je that Jesus has done, uh, all these signs, but it does say that they went up to worship at the feast among those who went. Um, I think they knew who Jesus was. I think they came to worship him and to, to really kind of want to spend more time with him. Um, but it doesn't say why. Uh, it doesn't say why they wanted to see Jesus. Uh, back in the day, they didn't have social media. They didn't even have pictures, right? So for someone to say, hey, I want to see Jesus, was it like, hey, what product does he use in his beard? You know, how close cropped is he to the face? Has he grown it out? Um, I doubt it's that. It could have been his brand of sandals. You know, was he more Gucci or was he more Vans uh, in his style of, of sandal? No, we obviously know that because there's more than just seeing physically who Jesus is, but they need to, to realize who he really is, as do us. And my question for us that we will end with ultimately is, are you dying to see Jesus? Um, are you ready to commit fully to who Jesus is in your life? <clears throat> so the Greeks go to Philip, who asks Jesus, or, or Philip goes to Andrew. Uh, the two of them go, the, go to Jesus. Uh, and isn't that cool to see that, that the Greeks might have known about Philip? He does have more of this, this Greek Gentile name. Uh, maybe there's a connection. They knew who to kind of go to. Um, but in, isn't it interesting that, that Andrew and Philip were able to bring the news to Jesus, to connect Jesus with uh, the, these, these Greeks who are seeking after him? Uh, and here's where I want to ask us, is who do we go to see Jesus? Who do we ask and say, hey, I need some encouragement in my faith, I need some encouragement in my walk, I feel like I've disconnected with, with God, my relationship with Jesus isn't where I need to be, do you have people you can go to to say, hey, will you help me out? Will you take me to see Jesus? Um, and I pray that you have that in your life. And that number one spot for you of resources should be right here where I am standing. Um, our, one of our other pulpits that we, that we have uh, had on there engraved, sir, we would see Jesus. Because it is my utmost responsibility 
to make sure you see Jesus. And if you never do, I'm out. You need to, you need to grab the shepherd's crook, the lasso, whatever. No, no one should be behind this pulpit unless they're proclaiming Jesus Christ. Um, and if you're missing Jesus and you need him, we have so many ways through the word, through prayer, but you always better be guaranteed that you will see Jesus on Sunday mornings um, and Bible studies, wherever. So that is my promise to you. Uh, our commitment as a church that we are going to see Jesus when you arrive. Um, and I pray that on some level that people are going to see Jesus in you. If you're a believer, if you're living out your faith, um, there needs to be something, some element of who Jesus is to you that comes out in who you are. Um, so I pray that as people are seeking to follow Jesus, to see Jesus, that, that he will use us as well. Um, all right, so back to, back to the setup. We have the Greeks now. Isn't it great that John, in the midst of all that Jesus is having to go through, um, the next steps, the process to the cross, that John brings up, hey, there's some Greeks that want to see Jesus. But isn't this an even bigger picture? Uh, the, the story that John has told all throughout the book, that who Jesus is as Messiah, his triumphal entry isn't just for the Jews. Um, it's not just for Israel, but for the entire world. And we see this throughout the book of John. One of his major themes is Jesus is the Savior of the world. Back in chapter 1, he is a lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. For God so loved the world, in John 3.16. In John 4, the Samaritans rightly identified him as the Savior of the world. In John 6, he gave his life for the world, and he gives life to the world. In John 8, he is the light of the world. And in John 10, Jesus will bring the other sheep who are outside the fold to himself as a good shepherd. So we see this, and, and kind of a cool timing of the Greeks coming to see Jesus. And then Jesus doesn't say, hey, nice to meet you. Let's go hang out. Now, maybe he did. We don't know. It's not in, in Scripture. I, I hope that he had some time with those who are seeking him. Um, but how does Jesus respond? Jesus takes that moment to then proclaim the hour has come. Um, and this hour is of vital importance. This hour is, is what all of this has been leading up to. And I don't think they were ready for this. I don't think Philip and Andrew were ready, were ready for this response from Jesus. But he says in verse 23... Jesus answered, then the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Um, this hour has come is not that he is going to overthrow the government uh, and get the Romans out and set up his earthly kingdom, but it is now time to start the process that will lead to the cross, that his hour has finally come. And if you remember, Jesus, all throughout the book of John, kept postponing things. People were trying to kill him. He's like, ah, you can't touch me. The hour has not yet come. Um, to the woman at the well, uh, the, the hour has not come. And so we see that he knew and had an idea of God's plan. And when that time was come, and it wasn't until God's timing was going to happen that any of this was going to proceed, um, ultimately to the cross. So he says, the hour has come finally for the Son of Man to be glorified. And then the next nine chapters, as we go through this last week of Jesus' life, we're going to see Jesus. 
We're going to see in his serving and his suffering and his death and his resurrection that that is what seeing Jesus is. That is knowing him. Only after his hour has come will he be glorified. And in his glory are we going to see Jesus for who he is. In chapter 17, eventually, whenever we get there, it says, Jesus says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Uh, And so now is the time. Now is the time that God's plan is going to be fulfilled, uh, that Jesus is going to ultimately, in these next few days, hours, lead to the cross. Uh, And not only that, but here's what Jesus kind of gives an illustration of what this hour means. What does this mean of what is going to happen next? So Jesus, in in verse 24, kind of gives this illustration of wheat. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. See, a seed, if it doesn't die, won't sprout and won't multiply. Nothing will come out of it. So here's this picture of Christ, who we know is about to die. And from his death comes life. From his death comes salvation for all. So here's this illustration of a, a, a wheat seed. And those things multiply like a lot. Um, I googled, of course, some, some, some good information. And if you had a pound of wheat seed, which is about 15,000 seeds, if you had a pound of wheat seed and planted that, it would, at 80% germination, by the way, don't get 79% or You could, you want more than 80%, but at 80% germination, it potentially will yield a million seeds. That's phenomenal. Um, So here's this amazing picture of what Christ is going to provide with eternal life in his death that he's got to die for life to come. Uh, And so he kind of gives this illustration. And we know that this better seed, Jesus is going to be planted in the ground and bear much fruit. But he's got to die. Uh, In Luke 24, it says, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? So Jesus used this image of the seed of of none of this is going to happen. The hour has not come. God's not going to be glorified. The Son is not going to be glorified until he has died until he has given his life completely, utterly for us, for our sins, in his shed blood, for eternity, and to give us life as he rises from the, from the grave. Um, Jesus used this image uh, to, to show the, the amazing spiritual truths that with no glory, or that there can be no glory without suffering. There will not be no glorifying the Father without the suffering of the Son. There is no fruitful life without death. We cannot have eternal life without the death of Jesus. There is no victory without surrender. Christ surrendered his life for us in death so that we would have victory over sin and death, to conquer sin and death in his name. And so here's this illustration of wheat that Jesus has set forth to show what this hour, what this glorification is going to be in his life. And then that beautiful picture of the the harvest will multiply. And we see it right here in this room, do we not? We have faith in Jesus Christ because of his death that that spread 
like wildfire into this world, into time, and we now are sitting here worshiping Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, Redeemer, because of that multiplication, because of that seed being planted and dying. And so to have that and to be a part of that is, is mind-blowing. Um, Jesus loves us so much. And to see that Jesus is more than looking at him, uh, not as his toga style, okay? It is more than just believing the things that he said and did. Oh, yeah, I believe this stuff in Scripture. I have this checklist. It's one thing to believe and just say it. It is to step into that belief in full faith, full life, that we have committed ourselves to him. And to follow Jesus, or look at verse 25. It says, whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So let me go back to our original question, is this. Are you dying to see Jesus? Are you dying to see Jesus? Are you ready to truly see who he is? And in seeing Jesus, whoever loses his life, or loves his life, loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. To follow Jesus requires death. It required his death. We cannot follow Jesus. We cannot believe in who he is. We cannot trust and put full faith in him unless he has died. And then we have to die. It's like, hold on a second. Why can't I just say I believe Jesus? No, it's a full commitment of our entire life and our heart and our mind. And it says right there that loving our life is, we're going to lose it. Um, if we love life more than Jesus, then our life is worthless. Uh, we have nothing. It's really making this point that if you love the things of this world, what it provides for you more than or even equal than Jesus, we are going to lose our life. Turn with me to 1 John 2, verses 15 to 17. 1 John 2, 15 to 17. And it says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So we've got to... to not love the things of this world, or we're going to lose it. And greed and accumulating wealth and stuff is absolutely a temptation. I, I get that. I'm there with you. Uh, the marketers are all out to say, hey, if you had this in your life, you'd be happier. If you had this in your life, things would be easier. You know, you could retire nice. Life is great. Everything's planned out. No. If we are so much in pursuit of those things, they're going to fall away. We have to stay focused in our love, giving attention to God, to Jesus as our Savior. And knowing that if we are loving the things of this world so much more, we're going to miss out and we're going to, to miss the point. Because if we say that we follow Jesus and believe in him as Lord and Savior, we give our entire life. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't have the other stuff. But there's got to be a great distance, because what does it say? It says to actually hate life. You've got to hate your life to keep it. Um, you've got to hate... Now that, it's like, hold on, Jesus. You want me to be a monk? 
you know, hunker down and not be a part of the world, wear weird sandals, speaking of sandal brands or whatever. Um, no, it's not saying you don't have to hunker down. Um, it would be interesting to learn some Gregorian chants. Um, but to, to completely pull our, our lives away from the world, he's not saying that. <clears throat> There's nothing wrong with enjoying the things that we have. But do you remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about when Jesus said you've got to hate your brother and sister? And we're like, oh, I'm not hating my family. But it's the distance of our love to hate. There's such a gap. If we are to love Jesus with everything, anything else is so separated from that, so much lower than that, it looks like we hate those things. Does that make sense? You've got to love Jesus so much more than anything of who we are, what we do, what we have, that it looks like we hate those things. Okay, and, and Jesus isn't saying you can't have those things. It's that we've got to use him for his glory and honor him and, and give him everything that we have. So hating our life is keeping it. And by the way, dying to self is not uncommon. Okay, how many of you are in any kind of a relationship at all? Friends, family, right? <clears throat> a little bit of part of me dies every single time. It's Sunday afternoon, and like right now I'm already hungry. And I call Carrie up. I'm like, hey, babe, what do you want for lunch? Because I've been craving Chipotle all morning, right? And then she's like, Panera. And I'm like, oh, hi, babe. She's probably watching. And I'm like, now I can handle Panera, but I've been craving Chipotle. So guess what? A little part of me dies. Like, uh, okay, Panera again. So, so we're used to those things. We're used to having to give up because, by the way, if you love someone, the dying of yourself to their needs and their wants is actually greater. Um, if you are in a, in a relationship, a friendship, when you sacrifice yourself for others, that love for them just continues to grow. So imagine what we can do in our relationship with Jesus Christ when if we die to ourselves just a little bit more today, we're going to see the glory of this relationship that he's allowed us to be in with him. Uh, and so to lose or to hate our life, we're keeping it. We have such a greater life in him than we ever do apart from him, than we ever do on our own. And so to understand that, uh, Jesus is trying to, to lay all this out. And isn't this ironic that this death to self is actually life, a greater life, this paradox of living a life for Jesus doesn't mean that we're without. It means that we are with. We're with him, with Jesus. Uh, read with me Luke 9, 23. Uh, and actually, I'm gonna, I'll read 24 also. But Luke 9, 23 and 24 says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So we have this picture of, of absolute surrender. Continual surrender. Um, taking up our cross, hating the world, by the way, is not something that we can achieve. Like, hey, finally made it to master level of Christianity and my faith. And like, I'm good to go for the rest of my life. No, it's going to be a pain 
and it's going to be work, and it's going to be difficult, and it's going to be absolutely painful the rest of our life. Sorry to break it to you, but it's hard to die to self. Randy likes a lot of great stuff, and I got a lot of great plans for my life, and God keeps saying, ha, nope. And James is saying, right, am I the only one? Okay, we have a father who loves us so much, who has amazing plans. We don't know what they are. They probably freak us out anyway. But to understand that we have to daily, continually give up our lives for him, to die to self and pursue him in all things. Um, the need to hate our life and die to self is never finished in this life. It truly is a daily battle. Um, and dying to every part of our life, by the way, not just our stuff. Let's talk emotions. How many of you deal with some amazing emotions? Some you want to hold on to, some you want to get rid of, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly. Being in control. Anyone else control freaks of your own life? Your wealth, your reputation. Um, we let go of our life to receive life in Jesus. And it's daily. It's a battle. It hurts, I know. But that's the pursuit. If we are to separate anything of who we are, what we have, in comparison to our love for Jesus, then that is dying to see Jesus, truly to see. And then verse 26 <clears throat> is following Jesus, and we've seen this. It's so much more than just saying, I believe. He calls us to follow him. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Jesus is in charge. He takes the lead. He's boss. He is king of my life. And we see this leading from the good shepherd in John 10. The sheep hear his voice. That's us, by the way, if we're going to follow him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. Now, I don't know about you, but following someone, right, is great if, if they're leading the way. But man, yeah, I'll take a little side trail over here. They're not going to know. You know, jump back on. What, isn't that interesting that we have to choose, we have to continue to pursue him in all that we do as we follow him. Um, we're not going to be locked away in, in some some robotic life of obedience it is out of choice and now is it is out of love that we are following and loving jesus <clears throat> and following is difficult we've talked about that but guess what it is absolutely worth it look at verse 25 again here's what we get when we follow jesus here's what we get when we say i am willing to die to see jesus i am willing to give my life completely over to him verse 25 we will have life. We have eternal life. We will keep our life for, eter for eternity. Um, so we have everlasting life as we give our life to Jesus. Verse 26, we get Jesus. What does he say? Where I am, there is my servant. We are in his presence. We're not alone. As difficult as all this is, we are with him. He is with us. We live life in Jesus Christ. And through him, we have the, the ability, not our ability, his ability, his strength, his grace, his compassion on us to pursue him in all that we have. John 14, 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again 
will take you to myself that there, where I am, you may be also. We're going to have eternity in heaven with him. We have him now in this life as we continue in this faith. And then verse 26, we receive honor from the Father. I have no idea what that looks like. I can't wrap my mind around what it means to be honored by God. That's amazing. But yet we, as we come to follow Jesus, the Son, as we come to serve him with our life, we are not only giving our love and honor to Jesus, we are honored by God. And I don't know what that looks like, but in comparison to any amount of honor that this world can give, is all pale in comparison. Uh, and so we, I hope we're getting this picture of how much God loves us and how much Jesus has done for us to give him access to the, give us access to the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit to have this relationship with Jesus to see him. And it's going to cost us some stuff. We've got to die to ourselves, but to see him. Jesus calls to us, and if you want to see, he says, if you want to see me, if you want to know me, come follow me. So much more than a, a statement of belief, all these check marks, let's sign it, go get it notarized. No, we've got to give our lives fully, utterly to him. To follow. Let me close with Galatians 2.20, one of my favorite verses. Um, Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so this picture of the Greeks who wanted to come and see Jesus, I pray that we are dying to see Jesus. I pray that we are giving our all to look for him and to pursue him and to love him and adore him and worship him and lay our lives down before him. That is our commitment. And we're going to see the ultimate sacrifice and the glorification of the son and all that he's going to have to endure uh, through the rest of this book. So for us, do you want to see Jesus? Are you dying to see Jesus? Are you here today to see him? And I pray that if you do not know what that looks like, if you do not understand what it means to be a Christian, if you have questions, please come and talk to me. Please come and talk to, to someone about what it looks like to have Jesus be Lord and Savior of your life, uh, to have your sins forgiven, to have Christ step in uh, to be a redeemer and savior and then through that and pursuing him and entering into a relationship with him you have life eternal in him and a life full now of jesus i as we close in prayer i pray that we continue to understand the commitment that we have to pursue Jesus, and to put everything else aside, as difficult as it is. Please pray with me. Father, I thank you for this morning and this reminder of all that Christ has done, all that he's going to do as we work through this book. Um, Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to not just make this statement, oh yeah, I believe in you, um, but it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us our life, but in that it is through our faith and our trust and obedience to you 
that you have given us life, life eternal and life on this earth to continue to worship and glorify Jesus in all things. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.